Hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Triple Eight Podcast. Three topics, eight minutes each, no reason. I'm PJ. I'm Moly, and let's get ready to pull something dumb out of the hat. Yeah, we're, we're jumping right into it now. You see, we've gotten to the point where podcast pros, we're going right into it. We know what we're doing. Oh, yes, very much professionals, because um, that's that's definitely... Oh, wonderful! Uh, eight minutes start on The Office is overrated. Oh! Starting... Oh, 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 oh. Controversial! Yeah, now, notice... Uh, yeah. Now, notice... This is like a, a true or false thing, except the the, uh, the the catch here is that both Molly and I believe this to be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There really isn't going to be much debate here. It's just yeah. like what we're going to be nitpicking on is probably going like, to be a little different. Yeah. Like, listen, if you want me to play devil's advocate in some places, I can. But I'm going to start. No. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> okay, I no. will. I will. But I'm going to start right off the bat. So many people, when I was first trying to get into the office, were like, you know what episode you should watch? Diversity Day. They're like, season one, episode two, Diversity Day is an all-time great. I watched it. I didn't laugh the first time I watched it. I Oh, well, no, no, okay. Well, that's that. Hold on. I think, I think it's important to have a little disclaimer here because The Office is a great show, I think at least. I think it's funny. It's funny. It's a good show. It's a great sitcom. The thing is, sitcoms in general, th- there's a there's a bit of a ceiling there. Like you can't really do too much with it. Yeah. But with what they were able to do, The Office did very well. Now listen, to me, a sitcom means two things: one, situation comedy, and two, you can literally sit on your ass and watch it like nonstop. Like you can binge it. You can binge The Office. I binged three seasons of The Office. I'm not. I binged all nine. Yeah. But in like seventh grade, like I, I, I didn't find it very funny. Huh. Like I, the parts I was interested in most were like the sweeter parts. Like I thought Pam and Jim's relationship was like the main pull factor for me. I didn't give a shit about what Michael was doing. Like I, I hated watching him. Like, no, no. Okay. Well then, then, then we do have things that we do disagree on. Cause I feel like I'm, I'm leaning towards overrated. You're leaning towards not very good at all. But I mean, both both are under the scope of overrated because people talk about yes, the Office, the greatest show ever made. You see all these people with Thunder Mifflin Company T-shirts, and I'm like, I I just don't I don't see the. Appeal. Oh yeah, no, and then people to like, oh, custom shirts, Thunder Mifflin funny shirt. I like Dwight from Office because he funny nerd. Bear beat Battlestar Galactica. Honestly, yeah, it's funny the first few times around, but around fifty to sixty, I'm like starting to lose focus. But. But when you mean overrated, you're necessarily implying that there's another, like, there's a whole pantheon of uh, comedy shows that you're looking at. And so, if you go to Netflix and you see Parks and Rec, you see How I Met Your Mother, how do you watch The Office over those? Disagree. I feel like The Office is the better of the three. Uh, I also feel like the other two are also overrated. Like this is like the Netflix it's the it's the binge on Netflix holy trinity of these are the shows that are the funniest and if you disagree with me I will burn you at the stake. This is why I think they're overrated. They have very uh very enthusiastic support bases and I understand why because they're funny shows but I mean um if you want a better political comedy to get how I um no Parks and Rec out of the way uh, watch Veep. Yeah no but Veep I mean was hilarious. Yeah no but that's kind of like. 
Okay, so I would also say you should watch The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt over any of these TV shows. But, like, because that show is really fantastic and it's really The funny. Marvelous Mrs. Mizell. Yeah. Fantastic, funny show. Better also, than most things. Also, if you need, like, awkward humor to satisfy you for some reason. And, like, Curb. L- yeah, like, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has a lot of those really great moments. I don't. I can't stand, like, watching Michael in the office. Like, it, it, I can't watch it. Like, I have to turn the TV I- on. I can watch it, but sometimes, yes, I did have to leave the room for a little bit because it was very cringy. I think that's what makes it endearing, though. I, I feel like that works to the office's benefit. But, I, I, I do enjoy that because I think it's very funny. But, but I, think, I feel like some of the... Oh, well, you go ahead. Yeah, I think there's a line between awkward and awkward humor. I think Curb Your Enthusiasm, there's a, a lot of awkward humor that comes from, like, towing a line in between like two taboos and i feel like when the office sees that taboo it's just like oh let's completely shatter the line michael's gonna say something way out of line and then everyone's gonna be like uh pikachu mouth oh like <laughs> like after eight seasons of the office what do you expect from michael like nine seasons i guess but like I mean, really mostly eight because of the last one he wasn't really yeah there as much and there are episodes where he wasn't there but you know what i'm not gonna get into because i don't care really um it was it was a great show and i feel like there are parts of it that like you said the sweeter parts really do stand out pam and jim uh wow so great wholesome i really do think that they are genuinely wholesome it is fun and very fulfilling to watch i really i really enjoyed that but again there are just some jokes that are run into the ground like i get it kevin is dumb cool like i get it angela is mean Yes, she is. Like, the one sustained joke pattern from The Office that I really love is Toby. Like, I think Michael shitting on Toby is the one time I can really tolerate Michael. Like, when Toby tries to say something completely normal, he's just like, I hate you, stop talking, like, you're fired, I I don't want to see you ever again. Like, like that's funny just because I like that kind of humor. But any other time Michael's doing anything, it's just, like, completely weird and, like, in a bad way to me because a lot of people like weird stuff i realize a lot of the things that i'm criticizing other people would be like yeah that's really funny but like i just don't find it funny because i don't think it's very smart uh i don't know about that i feel like some of the situations they get themselves into are pretty not necessarily like oh this is ground shattering earth no but i feel like uh, Scott's Tots is a fun, Michael did something not particularly great. It's a horribly cringy episode, but I think the concept is out of the box. It's a bit creative, like did not <laughs> realizing that you made a big promise to give all these kids scholarships and then like, oh, I don't have money for that. And then all the kids are expecting the money. That's funny. It's really just, I feel like I'm wearing my skin when I watch that. And that's the point. And I did laugh, but I understand that sometimes it, it can wear on you. For me, The Office is like, and I hate going back to this, but this is a comparison I make a lot, is like the France of uh, comedy shows. You can get better things in other countries than what you can get in France. So like, if you really want like a great steak, you shouldn't go to France, you should go to like Argentina or Spain. If you want a great wine, you should go to like Spain. I think Spain has better wines than France. But like, for The Office- You drink wine? But for The Office, if you, like, want, like, stupid humor that's, like, fun to appreciate and, like, gangs all here, I'd watch How I Met Your Mother. If you want, like, really awkward situations, I'd watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like, 
I, I just think there are better shows that do the things The Office does better. And so when people praise it as being like a holy grail of comedy, I'm like, no. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a holy grail of comedy. I mean, if you want also some like, if you want an absurdist situation, speaking of holy grail, go watch Monty Python. There, there's a, a treasure trove, quite literally, of stuff that you can watch there. But my problem with The Office and people like just dump truck, like dump trucking praise onto it, it's not as quotable as you think it is. Like honestly, if you're if you're saying an Office joke every hour. There's an issue here. Like, there are funnier jokes to make. Well, and also, most of the time, they're completely out of context. And the time is up. Also, yeah, nah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's, that's true, it's true, but the time is up, so. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that that will get us all a bunch of smiles. Definitely no Dude, angry France, France comments France loves me. Bro, I'm getting, I meant, we're getting I meant the office people. one. No, but we're getting French, French people on our side. Oh, wow. Uh, the soundtrack to the movie Mulan. Mulan in general. Huh. Eight minutes start now. Okay, best song. So, Disney, best song, Disney best soundtracks. Song, best song, best song. Uh, reflections. Close one. Close one. I'll make a man out but of you. But reflection. That, that was second place. That was second uh, place. Listen, there's, there's a lot of good stuff. But are we just sticking to Mulan or are we doing all Disney soundtracks? Uh, I think I think it's good to like compare it to others. Like that's what my that's what my thought was when I put it in the hat. Because I'm thinking Mulan's soundtrack is very underrated in general. I mean, of course we're gonna sidestep the fact that it's dangerously close, if not already over the line of cultural appropriation. But it was 1998. We didn't really yeah, know. Yeah, we yeah. And I mean, that was also the era of like Pocahontas, where you had. Have you ever heard another of Howl at the Blue Corn Moon? Like that doesn't make any sense. That's literally gibberish. But like. <laughs> but, no, and and, Br and Brother Bear, a song or no, Brother Bear, whose music was supposed to reflect indigenous cultures, uh, while it was being sung by a Bulgarian women's choir. Yeah, you know. Uh, Disney's never been the best when it comes to... It was a confusing to, uh, time, but, you know, we'll give them a break because, you know, it was a while ago. Yeah, per perfect, we'll, accurate, we'll accurate 100% recreation. It's never been Disney's thing. But Mulan does have a solid soundtrack. Mulan does it was a, a really good soundtrack, soundtrack, I think. Uh, Rivals, uh, I can't name too many others that come close. I think The Lion King is probably on top. And then maybe, what, Beauty and the Beast? Because The Little Mermaid only had, like, one song huh. that was really... Um, you have you, uh, okay. The two songs I'd say, if you're naming two songs from Little Mermaid, under the sea, under the sea. part of your world. Oh, wish I. Could I'm not gonna do that for fun though. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. That's like the it's a beautiful song, but that's like the reflections of um of Little Mermaid. It is, or I would say uh whatever what's the name of the blue corn moon song from uh pocahontas i forget what it's called uh, colors of the wind colors of the wind yeah like that's like the um the reflections of uh pocahontas like do all what no wait hold on now we're getting into a trend because oh. all disney princesses seem to have like this one song where it's like oh look we're faced with conflict who am i really oh well uh, the, well if we're talking about the peak the peak of those songs we're talking definitely about uh frozen and we're talking about Let It Go. Oh, hold on. I seem to not be able to hear you at the moment. Oh, but I, I don't know. I feel... Yeah, no, of course I got a, a phone call in the middle but, of the... But would you say Let It Go is like the peak of those ones? I, you're, you're not talking. You're not talking. I can't hear you. 
This oh, is... I wasn't talking. Oh, Perfect. Now you're Excellent. Back. It's because <laughs> you got a phone call in the middle of the podcast. I'd like to thank Jerry Pereira, whom I hate. Um, Would you the, say... the issue... I, I've tried making a point twice and you haven't heard it. Would you say that Let It Go is at the, the apex of those kinds Absolutely. of songs? Absolutely. Let It Go. Um, what is it? What's the song Moana sings when she's trying to get out of the little circle of How the far island? I'll go. The... Nah, there you go. That's the perfect one. I feel like that's one of the best ones. That one and Reflections, because Reflections actually has like a more introspective touch. People, people don't give Moana its due, its just desserts. Moana. That's true, but we're talking about Mulan right now, so we were just <laughs> brief sidetrack. But back to Mulan, I feel like a lot of the songs were very fun like it was a it's a high-paced energetic movie and the soundtrack usually reflects that it's well yeah because... uh, make a man out of you girl worth fighting for again very underrated song i love that song. no it's got a lot of solid stuff and it, it all has a kind of like faux militaristic kind of like you know energy and swiftness to it but uh actually mm -hmm. i'm gonna say this whole topic is moot because um the new mulan movie does not have any soundtrack at all the live action Mulan remake. Listen, listen here. The different. I'm okay with it actually, and I'm also okay with there not being any Mushu because they're they're separate things. What Disney's trying to do with the Disney, what the what Disney's trying to do with the live action Mulan movie is trying to make like an accurate recreation of the myth itself, the myth of Mulan, yeah. like yeah. this woman who cuts her hair off and goes to the military. Yeah, of course. What Disney tried to do with an animated movie is make a movie for children that they will enjoy. Yeah. So the goal is different here. Yeah, and I think also the Lion King live-action one really recreated the myth of the uh, talking no, lions. No, no. The talking lions no. who, who sing. Uh... <laughs> no. No, there will be no discussion of that movie on this air. None. Needs to cool the movie does not the, deserve uh, it. Disney needs to cool mm. it with the live-action remakes. We need to, Agreed. We need to slow down on those. Uh, but the Mulan live action movie, it, it can be fine. I don't know what it's going to be like. I also don't know when it's going to come out. But I feel like music wouldn't fit there. But will its soundtrack be like a bunch of like traditional Chinese instrumental music? Like, will I would hope so. Will a spray of plum blossoms be on? No, that's not going to make it. To <laughs> Mainly because that is that song is from like the eighties, I think, like the, the original recording. Perfect. But uh, no. <laughs> Not perfect because this is supposed to be taking place during the time of the Mongols, Amen. or the yeah no, but I don't think that makes sense. Are but we gonna hear I throat singing? See... Are we gonna hear throat singing on the new Mulan soundtrack? I feel like that's gonna be interesting. I feel like if Disney has a real chance here to finally incorporate non-Western instruments and musical traditions well into their into their movie. Like, there's a lot of... You can play the Erhu, which is, like, the two-string yes, Chinese are, violin. Are, yeah. Absolutely beautiful instrument, completely underrated. And I can guarantee you, 90% of you have not heard of it. Did, did China also have the xylophone? Is that their thing? Um, no. I feel like they have a variant of it, yeah, but... I could, I could also just be being racist. <laughs> entirely possible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. But, no, I feel like that's that's something that it's very difficult for movies to do incorporating those non-western sounds into a yes. movie because no one really like in the u.s it's not like people are like oh yeah please give me non-traditional music that my ears yeah, aren't used to 100%. this will definitely not sound weird but you always got to give disney their credit because they nail that like 
99% of the time, they nail incorporating those those kinds of things. Like, you never would have heard, like, uh, what is it, Swahili singing? Or is it Zulu? I forget. Uh, in The Lion King, like, ah, Tibanya! Like, I think it's the second. It's Zulu? But, like, whatever it is, like, so. you wouldn't have heard that had Disney not made that movie. Like, I think Disney does a good job of bringing that kind of music to the public eye. It might not encourage a deeper interest in it, because that's really hard. But, like, because right. no one's going to hear Moana and then be like, oh, I have to go listen to, like, traditional Polynesian folk music. Like, no one's going to take that. I, def I definitely didn't do that. I, I spent no time on YouTube on traditional Polynesian. Moving on. <laughs> um... I, I don't know. I just feel like it's a great opportunity because there's a lot of there's a lot of different music out there and Disney could very well put it in front of us in like a big blockbuster setting. Just look, this is new. How about that? Yeah, no, I think that's the case. And the the best part about that is that not only does it like bring that kind of music to like the public eye, but it also like gets people liking it. Because, like, you didn't have to love the Lion King soundtrack if you heard that, but, like, the songs were done so well and incorporated those, like, kind, those instrumentals so well that, like, you're left wanting to hear more of it in, like, a Disney sense, I guess. But, like, getting people to enjoy those kinds of things, I don't Eight know. Eight minutes. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Again, very rough. Also, n not fortunate that we had a phone call come in in the middle two, and wreck. Two times. <laughs> the clock has run against me times you're usually not very good against the clock if it does if it does it a third time granted i'm the only one that can see it that, oh that's yes we haven't talked about that yet we uh, he's the only one who can see the clock and he has the hat i'm here like a fish Topic out of water number three another overrated show the big bang theory is not funny eight minutes start now now here is the problem <laughs> because a there are two things that i have to acknowledge here one i am a nerd I'm a big nerd. I like World of Warcraft. I'm a fan. Just like the guys in the Big Bang Theory. And B, despite my best efforts and my best judgment, I still find it funny. I no! Do. I do. I think oh. it ran its course way like quicker than the show was on. I think in three seasons they could have done what they, what they did in, like, what, 12 or something ridiculous like that. But, like... Had a really wrong, long run. But like, really did. Those first few seasons, they're funny. They are because no one ever oh, depicts God. that on television. Like, like really, like the it, like trying to, and it's a terrible depiction of it. In the same way that like Israeli people know that like you don't mess with the Zohan by Adam Sandler isn't an accurate depiction of them. But like, it's still fun to see like Leonard and Sheldon and Howard and Raj, because yes, I know all the main characters, you know, sitting there obsessing over like World of Warcraft, and you know, you hear like raid boss sounds, and you're like, yeah, I recognize that. Like, and then you hear Leroy Jenkins, like you know, whatever. Like, you, you, it feels like for a little bit like corporate America is acknowledging, hey, there are nerds out there too. We see you. We might not get you, but we see you. And for the same reasons, I dislike the program because <laughs> even though I too acknowledge that I am a nerd by most standards of the word, though I do not like World of Warcraft and do not own a gaming computer, but I feel like the reason the show is so patently unfunny to me, especially now, because before I watched it when I was like like eight or nine, I watched it with my mom at night, like at 10 p.m. before yeah, I went to bed, because you know. Fun family activity. After, it's what you after do. the episode of NCIS. 
your friend CIS uh, uh, no. Big Bang Theory? It was actually no, it was actually before the episode of Castle, the the two season ABC drama that was very quickly canceled. But uh, I forgot what this guy's name was. Uh, I think it was Nathan Fillion. It is Nathan Fillion. Oh, he's great. Nathan Fillion was in Castle. Talk Whatever. about another, <laughs> another sci-fi show that went too soon, Firefly. Mm. What the hell is happening? Um, the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Whatever. Back to my point. The Big Bang Theory is not funny because a lot of what they do is just, look, these are nerd words, and there's no actual joke. Like, it's just they, they bury the audience in terminology that they are banking on only 10% of the people watching it, and that 10% being PJ and the like, that, oh, I recognize this. Look, it's the thing I do. Instead of, okay, making original content from the nerd words. Oh, no. I understand that, like, 90% of that show's audience was people who were like, ha, look at the nerds. Like, you know, like, people who were, like, taking out their, like, bullying fantasies on, like, a 32-year-old man in Leonard or whatever. But, like, listen. When... I see, like, a professional camera, like, an actual, like, Hollywood-quality camera shooting, like, four guys on laptops pretending to be in the middle of a, a World of Warcraft raid and then, like, drinking sodas and then talking about nerd stuff. It's like, at least you know I'm there. You know I'm there. And, look, I get it. It's jargon. It's stupid. And, like, it, it probably isn't as funny as I give it credit for. But, like, for a, for, nope. for a few seasons... For a few seasons, I'm not saying toward the end of the show when they got out of that stuff and into like nerds being in relationships, I thought it lost it for me because it was like, um, these are just people in relationships, like normal people. Like, why would Sheldon be like, ah, hello, yes, Amy, hello, how are you doing? Meet, bop, boop. Like, what, what kind of <laughs> human beings? Like, there are no nerds who are just like, the flux capacitor. Like, like, no, 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 no. Sheldon, Sheldon is obviously an accurate stereotype, but I thought like the the fact that that kept going was just it, it killed it for me. I mean, to be fair, I feel like that show's saving grace is Jim Parsons, saving grace because Sheldon as a character is patently ridiculous, like you said, but Jim Parsons is fantastic in his quality as an actor. He's a great actor. I yes, do love Jim terrific Parsons. actor. I really do enjoy. As that. is Johnny Galecki. I think he was in Roseanne. If you ever saw Roseanne, he was good in Roseanne. Oh, yes, of course. I love Roseanne. I also saw Full House when it first aired in, in 1987. No, I'm not going to get it. Seven? Okay. I, I was going to say 84. I was, I was not far away. But um, no, what the hell? I don't don't watch Roseanne. Roseanne was – John Goodman was on Roseanne. Oh, John Goodman. You gotta like I love John Goodman. I love John Goodman, but he's not – the the point here the point here is that it's just all jargon it's ridiculous it's like 90 percent of the 90 percent of the dialogue is uh star trek klingon game of thrones Battlestar galactica air hockey kaboom and then penny's like what and ha 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 laugh track to the back it's it's terrible like you can't put together a show like that and have it run for third well you can apparently i remember but you're not supposed to i remember there was an episode <laughs> where like leonard was going to this like gala and he was being made fun of for like his science not being good or freaking whatever and like to show off he brings penny and penny's wearing a dress that all it does is like show her boobs and everyone's like whoa <laughs> like a hooga. It's like yeah. a nerd have girlfriend who look pretty. Ah! 
not like that's the joke. Nerd, like, nerd cannot have pretty girlfriend. For like twenty minutes. Uh -huh. That was the joke. I just I. Couldn't. That was the whole episode. It's a whole episode. Just look girl pretty with nerd. But like. Come on, man. I, no, I get toward the end it got really bad. And, like, also, a large part of it was, like, stereotypical, like, Indian humor on, on like, Raj's character. He's done yeah. Kunal Nayar, who's also a very good actor. Uh, British, very funny. He was... He put in. I feel like he was put in some situations. I could be wrong. I'm not. I'm not claiming offense for anybody. But uh, I don't know. <laughs> you get to this like, oh yes, Indian nerd, beep, beep, ding. Uh, you must study your math. Like that's super racist stuff. And I feel like Raj is like Chuck Lore, who did that show was just kind of like, yeah, or Lori, I would pronounce it. I don't know. But like, yeah, play know. play into the Indian nerd stereotype and the Howard Jewish ma stereotype. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it was all very gimmicky, and you can do gimmicky humor, honestly, as long as you don't, you know, really lean all the way into it, which is what the show did, which yeah. is why I'm not happy with it. I feel like it's okay, but, you know, the show did that, and I'm not yeah. happy with it. But, like, they added, like, think about the fact that they kept their core cast around. Like, they only really added two characters after the show started. They added... Speaking of their core cast, they get... So much money. Oh, my like, God. Like, it is so ridiculous how much money these people earned. Like, what the hell? It's the reason CBS, like, has people watching their network at night, apart from the news, I guess. People don't watch CBS anymore. That's why people watch CBS, and that's why they earned, like, $100 million. Oh, my. They made it's ridiculous. so much money. <laughs> Kelly Cuoco is like, mm, I don't think this is enough money. And it's, like, $16 million. I was like, what the hell? Imagine if your dad was William Shatner. Do you remember those commercials? It would be a funny Star Trek joke. Do you remember those huh? commercials? Like the Priceline times the... times up. By the way, the the Priceline commercials. The Priceline commercials. Where it was like, "Hey, Dad, what's up?" He goes, "Ah, oh, nothing much." Like like I remember just all these weird William Shatner commercials. I was like, "Hey, he was just on that episode." They were or Will Wheaton. Oh God, Will Wheaton. <laughs> but Will Wheaton wasn't the Priceline negotiator. Those kinds of commercials, man, like Hotel Trivago, Hotels.com, uh, Hotwire.com, those were like the... No, no, but we can't, because there's <laughs> oh, that's no a time. Topic. That's a topic, is We it? can't, there's no time. I'll put it in the hat, but there's no I feel no like time. we don't have an adequate episode title yet. It's really sad. That hurts me. What if we just don't have one? I'm sure we'll figure it out. I don't know. I found it. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to episode six of the Triple Eight podcast. Three topics, eight minutes, no reason. We'll see you next week with another another iteration of complete hot garbage. Anything to say, Molly? If you uh, listen, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it and shut up. Don't say that you don't like it. Yeah, everyone yeah. Like it. Yeah, tell everyone you loved it really much, and we'll pay you money. Uh huh. Yep. We'll pay you so much money that we don't have, and we won't actually pay yeah. you. But it's okay. We'll give you all the money we have. Okay. Uh, Hooray! This isn't monetized. Okay. Bye. Bye.